Welcome to the Lessons Learned Podcast, a podcast reflecting on the lessons we've learned and those we're still in the process of learning. I'm Komal, your host. I'm an interviewer, investor, and someone who has lived a lot of life in a short time. I built this podcast as a place for us to reflect, to be together, and to learn from one another. Let's get into it. Welcome to episode 30 of the Lessons Learned podcast. 30 episodes, plus or minus 30 weeks. And I'm so incredibly excited that we have hit um, this milestone. I don't know why. Oh, it's like my champagne episode because I'm 30. This is the 30th, 30th episode. Welcome to my champagne party. I do not have champagne. I have lemon water. <laughs> and this episode does feel somewhat milestoney, and it feels that way because it was one hard for me to sit down and record today. I have been avoiding the mic for three weeks. I think that the Mother's Day episode felt very substantial for me in terms of what I shared, what you shared with me, and just amidst the chaos of COVID, the last few weeks have been a lot. I had shared on a previous episode that a member of my team needed to step away for personal reasons. And so I had taken on their workload for the last few weeks. And I shared this in one of the newsletters on one of our gap weeks in the last month. And I shared that the weight of my own deadlines was suffocating. <laughs> and that's continued to be true the last three weeks until I finally hired and found my content creators who are now joining my team. And there's a freedom that's now come from, again, being back in the seat in my business of what I've curated and cultivated for my life and, and how I work um, and doing exactly what I want to be doing, which is leading our team, being the visionary of the company, leading programming, showing up in the world on the, our social channels and here on the show, and then allowing the supports around me to help us turn this into even more meaningful, impactful content and resources for you. So as I've been going through that journey of just like multiple workloads, feeling all of the things that I'm sure everyone's been feeling around our confidence, imposter syndrome, am I doing enough? Am I in my purpose? How do I do more? Even though during this time, it's like we know our capacities are limited because we're experiencing a collective trauma. I have not been immune from all of those hard things and beliefs and challenging experiences. And I think honestly, that's why sitting down has been such a challenge for me. I've shared this in the past, but Brene Brown says this, rarely do we see wounds in the process of healing. And something that I've committed to with this show is to give you guys a sense of not only where I'm at at specific points throughout the year, but the learning journey I'm on with my own growth, development, successes, goals. And part of that is still showing up through messiness and giving myself grace as well when I can't, which I wasn't able to for last week and, and two weeks prior. So thank you. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for holding space for me in your lives just like for the last 30 weeks, well, 30 episodes, and then probably like 35 weeks. It's been since September 2019. We lived a lot of life in the last 
however many months it's been. And there's something just very big about that that I'm feeling right now. So just know that I appreciate all of you. Something major that I've honed into about the last three weeks is the weight of expectations. And these can be the expectations we have of ourselves, the expectations that others have of us. And for those expectations that we have of ourselves, they can often be there for no reason. It's society's projections that we've chosen to take on that end up making us feel like we have to show up in certain ways or be certain things in the world. And a big one for me this last two months of COVID, and I briefly touched on it on a previous episode, is this feeling like I should use this time to get pregnant or start trying to have children. And Mitch and I, you know, it's not that we were not trying, but we weren't being as strategic or thoughtful as one can be if they were really trying. And I just had this heaviness, this blockage, this like, it felt, it felt so hard the last eight weeks because I had this expectation of myself. I said, you know, you're not on tour right now. Your company is pivoting. You're home anyways. You wanted to take this year. I had set the intention for myself last year because my last surgery, I've shared this on the show, was at the end of 2018. And I really only got back on my feet by January 2019. So I had given myself 12 months to start my next venture and have it be successful. And then by 2020, we would start having kids and start trying and seeing if that was even an option for us or possible. I have endometriosis and my mother had trouble in the first many years of her trying to conceive my brother and I. So my fertility journey is one that I'm curious, what's it going to be like? So you can imagine after so much of my 20s being clouded and mired by physical on being unwell physically from my cancer diagnosis to my neurological illness to managing my endometriosis to three surgeries over three years and all of the things that come with it from a physical perspective. Having a year of health, oh my God, like turning 30 and feeling healthy was such a fucking gift in my life. And that was just in November. And so when all of the COVID stuff started and I started putting this pressure on myself that now's a good time to start your family, Komal. Now's a good time to make this a priority. My like intuition started feeling blocked. The flow in my days started feeling weird. It was harder for me to get up and do certain habits that I knew were good for me, like my meditation and my movement. It was hard for me to feel committed to my health because I thought if I'm going to get pregnant, like there's that whole other aspect for a woman of what it means to our bodies and our weight and different aspects of our identity. And so looking back and realizing we went into a pandemic and then I was considering a major life commitment or change and putting that expectation on myself. 
yeah, I was suffocated by my own expectations and my own quote unquote, in this case, not work deadline, but life deadline, life priority, life expectation. And it took a lot of reflection and inner work and conversations with Mitch for me to realize, like, I don't want that. I'm not ready for kids right now. I'm not ready to have children be the main focus in my life. And I have the privilege of that choice. And saying that aloud and owning that, I feel so much better. (laughs) But there's also embedded shame in that, especially talking about it publicly like this, especially coming from Indian patriarchal culture. It feels selfish to prioritize my career and my body at this point in my life instead of prioritizing growing and creating our family and maybe having a child that my grandmother can see and so she can see her great-grandchild or having a child in our house so that we can have a more full experience as a family so that my father-in-law can be the live-in grandfather he's always dreamed to be and Mitch can be the dad he's always dreamed to be. And it's not to say that these things won't eventually happen, whether it's through adoption or whether it's through me being able to conceive. But the crux of all of this is the agency I have in the decision. I'm the first in my maternal lineage and paternal lineage to not have an arranged marriage. I'm the first who's chosen and like selected the person I'm spending my life with the person I am choosing to love every day. And so this next level of agency and choice in how and when I'm going to build my family and have my family grow, like that is something I didn't even realize was such an important decision to consider from all angles. I feel like it's not a conversation I've had enough with my peers or the moms that I know. Many of my friends are mothers. I'm at that age. I'm 30. So many of my friends have kids. So many don't. And consi- and especially like talk about we got married now a year and a half ago. Anytime I have something exciting to share, which usually it's about business, um, I have to preface it with, no, we're not pregnant. And then everyone's like, oh. And I'm like, but I did, you know, score a keynote that is going to build my business this much I I did do this thing that's amplifying our lives in another way and this is with our extended family not with Mitch but there's just so much nuance and weight to this decision that we've now made and when I had this conversation with Mitch he was very thoughtful with me he was like I rarely remember or like it's so easy to forget he says how much of an impact this has, not just on your body, but on so many of the decisions you make around your physical well-being and your physical agency. And yeah, it's a whole thing. To the moms out there, thank you for being incredible women who make this choice and then raise humans in our world. For those of you who have chosen not to have children, I understand how meaningful that decision is for you and how so so much of the world might come at you with their own judgments and preoccupations about what you should and shouldn't do with your body and this for me like 
these are all the hard parts of getting to the point of having made this decision. But once I did, it felt like this huge weight was off my shoulders. And I know on an episode, probably a month ago, I was like, we're not going to have kids during quarantine. But even that assertion didn't prevent me from for the next four or five weeks, just like having this cloud over my head and this just like heaviness on my heart when it came to this problem that I was experiencing or this problem I was trying to navigate. And we've decided, yeah, we're not going to be trying to have children right now. And I feel great. That was a fucking great decision. Because as soon as it was made, I felt like I could breathe again. I felt recommitted to my work, to my career, to my body, to continuing to lift heavy things and work out with like, not like just the enthusiasm that the boundless enthusiasm that I have because after having been sick for so long when I am ready to attempt to get pregnant to potentially conceive I want this body to be as healthy as I can possibly get it and it's both for you know, very selfish reasons. It's my body. I get to be selfish with it. Yes. Uh, But I want to be as strong as I possibly can, as healthy as I possibly can. I've been taking vitamins for two and a half months since since COVID started. And let me tell you, my joints feel great. My skin is glowing. My hair is thick. Thank you, omegas. (laughs) So I'm excited to understand the nuances of health and being healthy in this being without it with it still just being mine and that feels like a very big choice to have made so why did I want to share this story with you and this this aspect of my life the last few weeks because expectations can be crippling expectations of myself of the workload that I was trying to manage of two people while keeping up our weekly release schedule and planning a very exciting launch that's coming your way (laughs) for something that might be dropping in July. Hint, hint, nudge, nudge. I have been just suffocating myself with my own expectations. And it's sucked. So to free myself of both of these things, to outsource and delegate and, and find the right folks to support me on the work side, And then to own a decision about my own body and what my life requires of me right now has been wildly liberating and so important. So I ask this question of you. I want to bring this up because what expectations are suffocating you? What self-imposed deadlines or requirements are suffocating you? What things or decisions or thoughts or beliefs are important for you to re-examine so that you can feel lighter because on the flip side of these expectations and naming them and deciding against certain things or showing up for ourselves in meaningful ways is a sense of freedom the freedom i've felt in my body the last few days since this decision was made has been immense the smallest of things like I can wake up and just sit and meditate because my mind isn't ruminating, trying not trying to avoid the big elephant inside of it. <laughs> I was trying to not have this inner dialogue with myself around my truth and my truth being, I don't want kids right now. And it just was a major distraction 
from me being able to show up reasonably well during an already hard time. So what are you unnecessarily demanding of yourself right now? How can you create mental real estate for yourself that is going to help you show up for your body, mind, spirit even better every day? Because once you do that, we know we know what I'm going to say next. Once you can do those things for yourself every single day and you clear the way for yourself to show up for the habits that serve you, then you will ultimately show up so much better for everyone around you. And that might look like being the perfect homeschool parent right now. That might look like being the ideal employee who is available at all times because we're on quarantine. Boundaries can be some of the most helpful things to establish. I had to show up for myself in a really important way the last few weeks. And not just with what I've shared about work and with my body and and choosing to not try for a child right now, but in other very important ways, setting boundaries that I wouldn't have set in the past. And it's a trust-building exercise with yourself. Because ultimately, the things that make us feel uncomfortable in life or not tuned into ourselves or not connected to ourselves, those things that trigger us and make us like ask these hard questions or feel like we need to avoid certain things, those are actually trust-building exercises with ourselves, with the inner child in us, with the artist in us, with the creator in us, with the various aspects of our identity. And as we build up that trust we become much more interconnected as a being. We can show up more fully in every moment without pieces of ourselves trying to hide or hold us back. This might sound very philosophical, but these various identities that we hold, we got to get them on the same page. And when we take shame and expectation out of the equation, these various parts of our identity can show up as a collective whole. And when we're all aligned, when these different priorities, competing priorities in our, in our being are like all on the same page, that's when what we describe as flow happens. And that's the state I've been able to observe myself being in for the last seven or eight days. What's flow looked like for me? Flow has looked like my daily habits and routines feeling so fulfilling. So I've kind of narrowed down through quarantine my four non-negotiable things every day. And it's turned into this little acronym for me, MMMT. So meditate, which is my morning pranayama practice, which is breath work that I learned through the Art of Living, uh, an organization that teaches meditation and mindfulness. They actually are doing online programs right now, so check out the show notes. And if you're interested in trying some, um, it's called the Sudarshan Kriya or the Sky Method. And I do it every day. It's 20 minutes of breath work and then 20 minutes of meditation following the breath work. So I sit for 40 minutes. And that might sound like a lot, but I've built up, I've built that up over the last decade of me practicing meditation. And that practice, it just creates so much space in my mind and in my being. And again, like 40 minutes in the morning is probably unrealistic if you have kids or like children that you're taking care of. Um, But in my specific lifestyle right now, 
it suits me and it's something that brings me so much clarity and strength and grounding every single day. And in the days that I don't do it, I feel it. And I hate when people say that and then don't describe it. What do I mean by I feel it? Those asshole voices and thoughts in my fucking head just scream at me on the days that I don't meditate and do my mindfulness practice. And on the days that I do, it's not that there aren't hard moments, but it's like I have some space to have a conversation with the hard dialogues, with the ego, with the asshole in my brain. And we can kind of come to a reasonable conclusion about how we're going to proceed. And that's a really big shift that comes from my meditation practice. So that's the difference for me. That's what I notice as a difference between what the days that I do meditate and the days that I don't. So my first M is meditate. My second is motivate. So prior to the last week, after my meditation, I grab my journal and then I free write. And I usually write my thoughts and feelings. And what I realized was it's really helpful to get those things out But without a ritual to enable me to level up my energy and my thoughts in the morning, the inertia of whatever state I'm in when I wake up and after I meditate will continue forward throughout my day. So if I'm just free writing everything that's making me anxious that day, there is a sense of relief that comes from releasing it. But if I don't proactively take a second to like change my state, change my mind, change my energy, change There's a word I'm looking for that I'm not able to find right now, but it's like leveling up my happiness in the morning in that moment. So first M is meditate. Second M is motivate. What does motivate look like for me now? So I still start with free writing so that I can get out the heaviness in my brain or just the things that I'm thinking about or preoccupied by or the thoughts I couldn't get out of my head when I was meditating. Once those are out, I write a list of positive affirmations and I've never been an affirmation person. I've read about them. I've thought they were weird. And I just thought that they were kitschy, like law of attraction bullshit. And, you know, I'm sure we could talk at length about my beliefs around the law of attraction. I think the law of attraction is very effective goal setting and obviously practices of surrender and release. But it requires a lot of hard work. And I think that there's just ways that it's been taken I'm not someone who says that I believe in the law of attraction. I believe in hard work and believing in what you are trying to set out and do and then having great strategy to get there and then supporting yourself along the way. So affirmations, never a part of my toolkit up until now. And it just kind of started randomly. I was like writing one morning. I was like, I just want to feel good. And I just decided to write down what are the things you want to become? What are the things you wish were true right now? Or what are the things that you're most happy are true right now? So one of my affirmations is, I am the most hopeful and integrity-filled person you know. Another is my business is highly profitable. Everything I put into it, it returns to me tenfold. Another is I am living the life of my dreams. And the way that my bed's positioned is there's a mirror that I can just see my face in when I'm sitting in my bed. And so I actually say these affirmations aloud and I have 10 of them and you can call them goals. You can call them affirmations, but they're used with the I am tense. 
like in the present moment. And they're just things that I am very interested in making happen in my life or that I'm very proud of about myself. And then I look in the mirror and I repeat each affirmation three times. I rewrite the affirmations every day on my page. It's similar to Rachel Hollis's formula that she has in her journal where you do your 10 goals and then your gratitudes, which is also riffed off of so many folks in the personal development space. So it's nothing new. I'm not sharing anything new here. It's new to me because I've never done it before. So I rewrite the affirmations. I say them aloud to myself each one three times. And I cannot explain how happy I become in doing this practice. Like I am on fire. By the end of it, a little bit today, I felt tired. I was like, whoa, these are a lot of big goals and dreams. And you just said a lot to yourself. But then I also didn't have as full night of rest as I would have liked. So I was like, I don't know which one of these two things is making me feel a little tired. But un- like above and beyond the tiredness, it makes me feel joyful and hopeful and excited about my day and my life. And I, again, have never been an affirmation person. So you're like talking to the cynic who is now a convert. So my first M, meditate. My second is motivate. So after I list out my affirmations and repeat them to myself aloud, I then do my gratitudes from the last day. Again, not a new revolutionary concept, but one that's new for me. I've done gratitudes on and off for the last few years, but never very consistently. But something about saying my affirmations and then searching for happy moments from the day before It feels like such a nice retreat for my spirit, my mind, and my soul. And the gratitudes are such lovely, nice things. Like yesterday, Mitch and I, we were driving down to a little birthday parade, COVID social distance parade that we were um, part of for our nephew, Cohen. And as we were driving, we had the windows down because it was a beautiful day. The air, what the wind was like blowing my hair We had music on and we were singing at the top of our lungs. And it's just something we haven't been able to do in two and a half months. And it felt so simple, but it felt so right. And it felt so us. And so when I was writing my gratitudes, that was at the top of the list. And then being able to interview and hire my new content leads. And the list then goes on. I try and hit three and this morning I had six gratitudes. And I was like, wow, when I put my journal down, I had written six pages and I was like, wow, this is really special. I felt motivated. So my first M meditate, my second M motivate, my third M move, move your ass, move your body in the ways that you can. I'm an able-bodied human who is talking about this. So if you have physical limitations, you have a bucket of things that work in this way for you. This could be breath work. This could be various things for you in your body. For me, it is physical movement. And so today it was a jog. Wednesdays and Fridays, I train with my trainer, Ummer, on FaceTime, which guys like, I cannot be a bigger proponent for FaceTime workouts. Whether it's body weight, if you have no equipment, it's okay. Trainers know how to make you hurt and not even hurt. I never have workouts where I feel hurt, Um, but they can make you work and work really hard in your body or at whatever level you're at, at whatever pace you want. But what's kept me consistent through COVID is these personal training sessions on FaceTime for 45 minutes twice a week. 
And yes, we have our home gym, but even without the home gym, when I'm on the road in hotels or places where there's not a full gym setup, Amr will amend and adjust for body weight workouts. So moving is so critical. And I literally was having this conversation with my grandma. She called me right before this. So shout out to Nanima, who had her cameo on the Mother's Day episode. And she's a woman who, I didn't even realize this, but so inspired me in terms of feeling comfortable and owning that I love to move my body. I'm a very curvaceous woman. I am five foot eight with a lot of curves and meat on this body that I have learned to love and appreciate the curves of. And now I lift heavy shit. But when I was younger, I used to play volleyball in middle school and I fell off in high school because I did not like wearing the tight shorts in front of my whole school because I was thicker than most of my fellow volleyball players. And so I kind of fell off of that being, I remember in 11th or 10th or 11th grade, the coach saying, you didn't try out after the tryouts were done. And I was like, yeah, you know, busy. And I could tell it was one of those things where I was like, if you had put yourself out there at that time, Kumal, you could have been on that team. And that sucked for little me. But older me now is refusing to have that be how I operate in life. I will not miss out on portions of my life because I feel shame or like this body doesn't deserve to be seen because fuck that. That is not where I'm operating from. So over the last three years, I've reclaimed movement for myself. And earlier in my 20s too, I realized fitness is independent of our opinions of our bodies. We can, like our bodies require movement. From like a factual scientific perspective, human beings in our evolution, like movement is a part of who we are as a species. And that's what I tap into when I have started to build this routine around movement. It's not from a place of shame. It's from a place of saying my body's supposed to move. It's also from a place of saying I was sick for three years and I have the privilege of wellness. And so I'm going to move my fucking body. Also, sorry for all of the F-bombs this episode. I'm apparently very feeling very excited with my words. I also had a conversation with my mom about my use of the word fuck on my art um, a couple of weeks ago. And she does not cuss she is not someone who swears but my father is like really likes to swear and i was like ma i am equal parts your child and papa's so i can be graceful and also love the word fuck so this is my reality (laughs) and so coming back to movement the days that i don't move are okay like there's some days like we need rest days during the week but right now i trend towards three to five days of movement per week during quarantine And that's something I'm really proud of. I shared all my stories a few weeks ago, how I went from one day a week after my neurological illness hit early 2017 to over three years building up to three to five days of movement a week. It's a journey. And I'm excited to be on this journey with so many of you. I get so hype from the DMs I get where you share that you're starting to work out with your partner or on your own or you went on the elliptical tonight and you're inspired to move more and more because I'm sharing how I move more and more. So I'm going to keep doing that. But movement is for you. Movement is for your mental health. And movement is to just release the energy that we can't release right now because of quarantine. And the reason I'm sharing my four pillars of my days with you is because 
we're at a point where certain provinces, parts of the world are reopening. Some of us are going to be phased in, phased out of full quarantine a little bit later than others. And we're going to go through phases of reintegration into real life. And my God, real life reintegration into being back in the world together. And quarantine, we've make it, we've made it through a very hard while and things aren't necessarily going to get easier, but I feel like there is a trend that I'm seeing where more and more people have hit that point in their daily lives and their own personal well-being where they're feeling the aspects of themselves that they are ready to take control of, that they are capable of taking control of, or that they're able to take control of. And what I realized, and I saw this meme on Instagram, it was something like what my therapist reminded me of is I'm in control of the same things now in my life that I was pre-COVID. And all that to say there's so much in our lives that is not in our own control, but then there are aspects of our life that are only in our control. And I was watching this movie and there, one of the characters was in prison and he said, you have to make heaven and paradise in your own mind. He said, I, work, I focus on myself, my education, my body, my mindset, and that's all I can control in this situation, but that is everything in this situation. And so that's why these four things every day are so critical to my well-being and how I show up in the world. And the reason that I know that is because of my off days. When I'm not doing these things, the clarity and quality of my mind is night and day different. So meditate, motivate, move, <laughs> and finally track. So I've put on four pounds during quarantine. Where are you at? Quarantine weight gain. <laughs> so I can love movement and also love food. And before you come at me with whatever it is about tracking and not tracking and all this stuff, Mitch has been very much a proponent for tracking food for me and for himself. And so I'm learning that from him and just seeing his success. He was focusing on weight loss. I would like to get back to my pre-quarantine weight and then go from there. Um, but tracking, just becoming aware of what I'm eating every day. There's an accountability I have by just putting what I've eaten that day into an app without an expectation or like, you know, I'm slightly less than maintenance on the app in terms of overall caloric intake. So for me, it's just an accountability measure so that I don't go overboard because there were about six days in a row when I ate a whole bag of chips every day. Full disclosure, because we are honest here at Lessons Learned. So I just, those are my four things every day. Meditate, motivate, move, and track. And these are the four things, coming back to what I was talking about earlier, that felt so hard to do when I had certain expectations on myself that weren't serving me. Because these, ex these, these aren't even expectations every day. These are just the foundational things that take for me to operate well. These four things that I listed are the fundamentals and foundation of my self-care. It's these habits that make me able to show up in the world. It's these habits that right now are what make me know I am not ready to have kids yet because I want to luxuriate and really soak in this life of what I can become with these habits in place, who I can show up and become in the world. And when I, like, there are certain milestones that I'm ready to hit in my business and with my fitness. And when those things happen, 
I'll reevaluate about the expectations I have on myself about making my family and growing my family. But right now I'm being selfish and I'm owning that and I'm choosing myself right now and what I need and this body needs. And it is my morning retreats, which are these me hitting these four things every single day. So I wanted to share that because I've also gotten a lot of questions about my morning routine, about what self-care looks like for me right now, about how I'm showing up effectively and well for myself and others in the world right now. And these are the pillars of that. And I'm also really excited to share that we over at Lessons Learned are cooking something up for all of you that is going to launch in July. That's all I'm saying. That's it right now. But there are certain things that were going to happen, like our tour, interviewing dope humans, seeing all of you. And we've taken and, you know, the workshop that I wanted to do around habits and planning and organization. And we've taken some time to figure out exactly how we want to serve you right now. And it is going to be amazing. So today recaps on lessons I didn't even sometimes when I'm planning the episodes out I come up with the lesson and and like the title and then reverse engineer what I'm talking about but today today my goal with myself was to sit to speak to share around this expectation around expectations and how we can stop suffocating ourselves by naming and removing certain expectations when it serves us and also sharing what flow looks like in my life. And flow is, for me, being in a, a state where these habits can consistently happen. And by allowing these habits the space to exist, my life elevates. And what I mean by life elevates is certain things in my career lineup. This comes back to what I was saying around like law of attraction really just being us putting in the work. I know when I do these habits every day, when I create the space without like unnecessary expectations on myself that the work I am focused on like nothing can stop me nothing can stop me when I have these habits in place nothing can stop me when I'm not being a dick to myself and when I trend towards doing these things more often than not which is the space in my life I'm getting to because when I was on the early stages of my developing really solid foundational habits of self-care my like tendency was towards old habits but I'm hitting that middle ground where my body mind spirit are getting so used to these habits that my like default operating mode is these habits so when you're starting out it can feel really hard because it's like the old habits just have so much more development in your brain they've they've been around longer so we're rewiring our brain slowly over time. And that's also why I wanted to make this podcast in this space, because this can be your constant reminder to continue on that path of growth and of continuing to show up as the human that you are destined and meant to be in the world, just as I'm doing the same. And I also want to be thoughtful that, like I said, I didn't sit down to record for three weeks. I have changed so much as a person in the last three weeks and I wish I would have had the courage to sit down and record when I was feeling really bad, but I didn't. And so I'm sitting here a little bit on my high horse of feeling like I'm back in a good groove. I'm going to teach people on the show. But just know 
that it's okay that we have the bad days. It's okay when we fall off. It's okay when we're not in flow. It's okay on the days when expectation does suffocate us. Because that's life. That pain being present is a reminder that we're living life. And these tools are just there for it to be a little less painful in certain moments and for certain periods of time. So if this is not where you're at today, I give you some of my good vibes from my good days, a good day that I'm sitting in right now. If today is your bad day, it's okay. Be graceful, be gentle with yourself. Do something that feels good for you. Show up for yourself. Be selfish today. And if this is a good day for you, high fives. I'm here to savor it with you. I'm here to honor it with you. I'm here to respect the good days with you. Guys, we are doing our best. We are doing the best that we can right now with what we've got. And I'm so proud of all of us for showing up in the ways that we can. So thank you for showing up with me this week. I'm going to leave it there. I hope my intention and my hope for you this week is that you can have moments of nourishment. That you can have moments where you feel whole and well. Where you can celebrate yourself for how you have shown up for the last two and a half months of this. And where you can give yourself grace. I hope you can choose something to do each day that feels really damn good. And I hope you can be gentle with yourself as you break down your expectations of both yourself and the people around you. All right. I love you. Until next week. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you loved this episode, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you want to follow me, Komal, check me out on Instagram at K-O-M-A-L-M-I-N-H-A-S or the show at LessonsLearned.co. And if you have an idea of a lesson that we should dive into on the show, then slide into our DMs and submit there or on the website along with any guests you think I should interview and talk all of the things with. As always, I hope that you make some time for you this week and reflect on the lessons you're learning or have learned and take some time to celebrate all the incredible that is you. Until next time, guys. Bye.